Hey, this is Sammy Flores. I'm the pastor at Coin Church in Chino, California, and this is our podcast. I'm so grateful you're tuning in. I hope this encourages you and calls you to more because you were made for more. Here's our latest message. Jump right into this. We've been going through this collection of talks um, called What We Believe. And last week we, we hit on we believe for the presence of God. We believe for contending for spiritual awakening. And Jesus in the Gospels and the book of Acts, of course the Old Testament, the Spirit of God was on some, right? The prophets and, and the kings, the, the Spirit of God moved within the Old Testament. But then with Jesus in Acts, the Spirit of God is, is, is developed, is, is, is pushed out to every follower of Jesus. And we're empowered to do things we would never be able to do. A boldness that comes with the Spirit of God, and it's, it's for his presence that we're led and we're shaped and we're developed. And this week, what, what I wanted to go deep into, and then Pastor Kelly's going to preach next week. Come on, Kel. Um, we, we decided to do kind of two parts on what we call formation or counterformation, really what we would know as discipleship. And as, as we have grown and matured in this community, one of the things that I have been really convicted on and I've been sort of upset with, if I'll be honest, and um, that we haven't yet developed, like, what does this look like for your discipleship with Jesus? How is Coin Church, as your spiritual covering, contending and helping you grow in Christ-likeness? And to be honest, I've been looking and thinking and praying, and I'm like, yes, we have our coin crews, our small groups, but, and then we have Bible studies, but we have nothing to where it's like, this is what we would push you to do and be a part of as you grow in Christ-likeness. So over the next couple of months, I am praying and seeking and talking with our elders. We have an elder space now. That's good news. <laughs> With our elders and praying, like, how, how do we create formation and discipleship for the people of Coin Church? And so this is sort of like the vision, the excitement towards that. We all sort of know if you've been in church long enough. Again, I'm speaking to people that I would believe are following Jesus. Maybe you've known Jesus. You're, you're working your salvation out with him. For those that have been a follower of Jesus, my question to you is, what does that look like? Do you have steps to take? Do you have things that you need to, to know about as you journey with Christ? And as your pastor, I am convicted that we need to create what that looks like for you. So I want to uh, have this passage of scripture, and I'm going to do this every week, so I, I forgive me for doing this, but really, I actually, this is a big deal to me. But when we read the scriptures, what I want you to do with me every week is we're going to stand for the word of God. Because I want to honor the word. So will you stand with me? In the book of Romans, this is our passage today. The book of Romans says this, chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Those are really strong words coming from the Apostle Paul to the Roman Empire world governed by Caesar, a living sacrifice because literally they were a sacrifice for those with uh, Emperor Nero and those, they, they would put them on a stake, put tar on them, impale them, followers of Jesus that denounced emperor as God, and they would light them up on fire. That was their lamps. So when Paul says as a living sacrifice, you get the picture, right? 
to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not, Paul's exhortation to us, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. It's this metamorphosis, this butterfly, right? This caterpillar to a butterfly. That's where this, this Greek is coming from. Be transformed by the what? Renewing of your heart? Renewing of your spiritual disciplines? Renewing of your mind? Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's pray. Jesus, we honor the word of God this morning. We stand in reverence towards you and your scripture. We don't worship your scripture. We worship you. But we thank you for the teaching of the scriptures. And this morning, I pray that this word would not fall on on any uh, unfertile ground, but it would sink deep into our souls, what it means to follow you and to be renewed in our mind. And it's in your name we pray, amen. Amen, you may be seated. Have you ever asked yourself this question, why have I not overcome this? Why am I still struggling with this thing? And that's a big question, and I hope you would ask it if you've been following Jesus for any amount of time. And some of them are small and some of them are big. Some of them come from actually working through a development of figuring this out. And yet, you ask yourself this question, why haven't I overcome this? Maybe it's lying, right? Let's just be really practical, just like lying. And you lie and lie. First, if you're not reading the word, if you're not following Jesus' teaching and character, how would you even be convicted that you're lying? Right? So part of discipleship with Jesus, one, if we're being honest, is it's not just you coming and being fed on a Sunday morning. Though that's, we come to celebrate and to learn the hearing and the teaching of the word and to worship together in community. But it's not my job to make you wake up on Monday morning and, and read the Bible. That's, that's up to you. <laughs> right? It's not my job to do those things, but it is my job to remind you that it is essential for your spiritual well-being, for the way that you do things and process, how you talk to your neighbors. How would you know how to talk to your neighbors if you don't know what Jesus said to, to talk about or to how to talk with your neighbors? So let's just talk about lying. Have you ever, if you've been following Jesus, let's say five years, and you are like a legit liar. You just like white lies, Right? When you begin to take on the word of God, we just talked about presence, the spirit of God will convict you of those things, 100%. But as you read his word, and as you're reading through this, and you catch, oh my gosh, Jesus said not to do these things. The, the, the scripture points out all of this, this stuff about lying, about my word being my word. Let my yes be yes, and my no be no, right? And then you like, white lie, white lie, white lie, right? And it's like, do you get convicted, though, that you're doing that? And I would say, as, as your pastor, that small little thing will turn into something really big if you do not take control of that and ask and invite the Spirit of God to help you work on those things, right? And 
we haven't even got into what does that look like from your past and trauma and brokenness and father wounds. All of those things are to be considered. But if we're just considering what it means to stop lying, if you just tell yourselves, don't lie, don't lie, don't lie, don't lie, don't lie, it's not going to work for you. I'm sorry. I believe this is my personal bias from the scripture that it is only the spirit of God that gives you freedom from those things. However, he partners with you to help you be shaped into the type of person you're called to be, which is a new creation in Christ's likeness. So I don't want to, in five years from now, I want you to really think about this if you take this stuff serious. I really want you to think about this. In the last five years, if you've been following Jesus, are you still doing the things you used to do? Are you still talking the same way you used to talk? Are you still watching the same things you used to watch? Are you still fighting with your spouse in the same way you used to fight with your spouse? Are you still getting angry at your children the same way you did five years ago? And if you are, I would express to you to put that on immediate urgency that you are not truly walking with Jesus. There is a discipleship process that transforms you from the inside out. But yet, I want to just say this as well to add to that. I don't want to in five years from now still wrestle with the same things. However, Paul, the apostle, says three times I've pleaded with Jesus to take this away from me, this thorn in my flesh. And you know what Jesus says? I'm not going to take it away. Because in your weakness, I am made strong. Okay? So just a quick little note on that as we're in discipleship with Jesus. Does Jesus heal us from everything? I mean, we're a new creation. But then why am I still struggling with this? Well, what did Paul say? Jesus, take this from me, take this from me, take this from me. No, I will not because in your weakness I'm made strong. So there's practices, there's discipleship, there's things that we ought to do. But theologically, there might be some things that you have to wrestle with until you are in heaven. Does that make sense? So we can't be this ultra-spiritual crowd that says, God's going to heal me from everything. I believe that. I contend for that. But the scripture, what Paul says is, Jesus tells us, I'm not, I might not answer your prayers. So we have to work this out. We have to wrestle with this. But there is much that he will heal you from. But you have to partner with the Spirit of God in that. You have to change the way you think and process. And so that's where the renewing of your mind comes from. So I want to hit on this idea, what we believe, that today I want to hit on radical discipleship. Okay, you guys with me? You guys good? We're going to go real deep into this, all right? So I hope you're ready. Radical discipleship. Now let me just make a quick little note as we move on. I've been thinking and praying and talking to pastors and, 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 and being reminded through biblical orthodoxy and scripture it's like, why is it, I don't know if you've asked yourself this, I hope you have, why is it that I have the presence of God, the spirit of God in me, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, I have his spirit, and in the same breath, if I've been following for five years, I have the word of God in me as well. But then there's this gap where I'm like, man, I'm still like messing up. I'm still lying. 
I'm still going back to my old ways. I'm still participating in the things that Paul said do not conform with. Why is that? And then what happens is we get mad at God. That's not God's fault. And so I was thinking about this and... and, and and uh, it was actually Claudio. I'll just shout him out real quick. Claudio was like, he was, he was pushing my, my mind on this for a second. I'm like, whoa, that's so good. <laughs> but think about this, okay? If your mind isn't renewed, then it's just a heart shift behavior. Stop lying. Stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. I got to create a habit and a three-step habit. Habit, habit, habit. Stop lying, stop lying, stop lying. Every time I'm like, stop. And, and it's like good luck with that, right? I mean, we can take that, maybe you're having sex outside of marriage. Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Why am I, I got to stop? I got to stop. I got to stop. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's been five years. I keep wrestling with this. I'm addicted to pornography. Porn, porn, porn. Oh my gosh, throughout the week. And I, I give it up to God and I pray. Romans 7, God, I know I'm not supposed to do this, but I know you say I'm supposed to do this. And it's just so hard. What, what do I do? And it's just like five years, 10 years have gone by and you're still struggling with the same sin that you struggled with five, 10 years ago. And I was like, you know, talking, I'm like, man, yeah, you know what, it's, it's got to be transformation, habits, spiritual disciplines, practical things. And then he reminded me, yes, but it starts with the renewing of your mind. I'm like, Phew. Paul said that. Please, please hear this. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true, proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, discipled, renewed from the inside out by what? The renewing of your mind. And so my mind must not be renewed by the world's process. My mind has to be renewed by the scripture, by the word of God. So it could be that you've been following Jesus for 10, 15, 20 years, but your mind hasn't truly been renewed. Because we listen to the TikTokers and we listen to the, the worship leaders of our day and they're so good, but they're not theological. And then we wonder why we're still struggling and it's hard and it's difficult. We must be transformed, renewed. And it starts in your mind, right? So you can lock me up in jail, see you later, right? But if you take my mind away, you can take my rights away, you can take my privileges away, but if you take my mind, I don't have anything, right? That's why I think of uh, Viktor Frankl. Um, he, he wrote this book, I, I think everyone should read this. Um, I forget what it's called, but it's about suffering. And he was a part of the Holocaust, but he was like a, a psychologist, right? He was a Christian. And so he wrote, he, write, he wrote this book and he wrote it based off his experiences with the commanders and the Nazi army and all this stuff. And, and he was enough of a bright mind to say it wasn't Hitler or it wasn't the commanders. It wasn't the soldiers that were so convinced. How do we get them into the chambers with the smoke? How do we get them to do that and shave their, it wasn't those people. It was the bright minds, the intellectuals, the philosophers, the psychologists that said, how do we get to them? Ah, their mind. If I can transform and shift what they believe and how they believe, it will change how they act. It will change how they do things. It will change the way they see a Jew or a gypsy. 
And then these people were willing to say, come on, come on. Oh, it's just a shower. Come on. It's all good. Come on, come on, come on, come on. And they turned on the gas and killed all of them. And then Hitler said, if I can get, if I can get the boys when they're real young, I got them for life. So I just want to push your theology for a moment. How is your mind being renewed? Is it renewed on Netflix? Is it renewed by the pastor who has a mega church on YouTube? Is it renewed by the worship leader that has phenomenal songs? Or is it just strictly renewed by the word of God? I mean, all you have to do is read this book every day and you'll see really quickly what the Bible says. And so I'm terrified in this day and age, to be honest, because we, the church, on a Sunday morning, I cannot compete with technology in your life. I can't. I don't know what you're watching. I don't know what Netflix movies you're watching after the kids go to sleep. I don't know what's on Peacock. I don't know what's on HBO Max. But those things, please, don't miss this, is renewing your mind towards something. You're being, if I could say this, you're being discipled by those things. You guys good? All right. I'm not trying to like, you know, ah, talk down to you. This is for Sammy as well. Believe me, you can ask Kelly. So your way of thinking then must change, right? Again, we have the spirit, we have the word. Why am I still dealing with X, Y, and Z? Well, it starts with radical discipleship, but before it starts with any of that, your mind has to be renewed. And it starts with the word of God. And then once your mind is renewed, it hits your heart. You see, because if I just got your heart, you'll be led astray really fast. If I had your heart, man, that's a good thing. It sounds, it sounds fuzzy and fun and romantic. Yeah, man, I'm with you. Let's do this. Let's go to Chino High School and preach the gospel. And you're excited and your heart's in it. But the moment suffering comes to you, see you later. It got hard for me, man. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, we got to go back to the word because Paul was, was literally flogged and beaten and almost stoned to death for preaching this. He was in a prison cell writing to the church, man, I hope your joy is good. Man, stand firm, take courage. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not Steph Curry, Paul the apostle said this. <laughs> Paul the Apostle in a prison cell is writing to the church. Have your joy, man. Step up to the plate. Have some courage. It's going to be okay because the joy of the Lord is my salvation. That is a man that has a renewed mind in Christ. Right? So, I mean, don't mishear me. I believe there's an identity transformation that takes place. I believe then your, your heart is turned into transformed. It's transformed. And then out of this, from the renewing of your, out of this you begin to create habits in your life. But that's the hard work. That's the work though, right? You're not working for salvation. It's a salvation that works itself. But you gotta like step up to the plate. If we think we're in this game called life and we just get to sit on the bench and it's all good, and I'm going to get over all my addictions, we've missed the whole beauty and wonder of what Paul and Jesus and the discipleship process looks like. You change because it's not who you are anymore. 
As Paul says, the old has passed, the new is here. You change because you're a new creation. But there's many of us that still live in the old for some reason, right? And we have to learn how to be transformed into this new creation. I wanted to show you what Jesus' strategy was. Um, well, his strategy, I'll just say this, was discipleship. So Luke 6 says this. He told them this parable. It's one of the smallest parables that Jesus gave. He said, can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained, you hear that language? Trained, discipled, will be like their teacher. The blind is a nod to Pharisees. Jesus is regularly calling the Pharisees out as blind guides. Okay, they added, the Pharisees added 1,500 plus verbal and physical commands and practices to the already 613 laws of the Old Testament. Can you imagine that? Like you don't even know where, like how to think at that point. <laughs> they were very legalistic and very religious. And he regularly attacks the interpretation, the interpretation of the Torah that the Pharisees had. So should that not tell us? Because by the way, the Pharisees had zeal. I got some zeal for Jesus. I love, I mean, I'm on fire. I, every, I wake up, I, I'm just like, ah, how do we do this? How do, we, I, how do I grow? How do I learn? God, change, whatever. I have a zeal for him. But if I'm not careful, my zeal can turn to Pharisaism very fast. So the student, which is Greek for disciple, by the way, is not above a master or a teacher or a rabbi. The student, he's saying, is not above the rabbi. Jesus was a rabbi. Big deal, right? <laughs> You're like, great, I know that. No, he was a rabbi. Incredibly, there's incredible implications for how to live our life then if Jesus is the disciple's rabbi and he's our rabbi. So that means he's our teacher. That means if he's my teacher, I ought to, as a student, do what he says. As a rabbi, the goal is to make disciples. As a rabbi, we must, this comes from John Mark Comer, we must be with Jesus this is what discipleship looks like. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. So in order to do this, we need total transformation, by the way. When I talk about being with Jesus, I'm saying, have you reoriented your entire life to listen to Jesus, to read Jesus, to be with him, to create the space and occupy that space with him? You know, in the Old Testament, God tells the people to build the tabernacle, and then he says, build it. So he's telling us, build it. And then he says, and I will come consume it. So what have you built in your life that you've invited the Holy Spirit to come consume? So I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm going to figure that out. I'm going to change. I'm going to become a radical disciple. I'm going to be counterformative in how the world says it should be and how the scripture says it to be. When I become like him, this is the hard part. You permeate the very character of Christ, and you don't have to think about it. It's just like secondhand nature at that point. I was talking to the guys about this in our prayer, which is a nod. Every other Thursday, we have men's prayer at 6.30. You should come if you're a man. And we were praying, and we were talking about this. Think about, have you ever, like, you just have been driving the same path every single day? I don't know if you do this. This terrifies me, by the way. When I'm on the freeway, and I'm like thinking about a hundred million things and then like a bunch of, and I'm like, how did I get to this spot? 
<laughs> and I'm like still driving. Or like if you leave work and you're flooded with stress and worry and there's a lot going on and you're driving and you're driving and you're driving and then you're like, oh my gosh, how did I even get home? Or if we're, <laughs> for some people that go on their phone, it's like, how did you even drive without getting an, an accident? Watching TikToks. Right? So that tells us something. That should tell us something that our brains, they can be wired in such a way where where they know where to go. How much more for your soul? Have you created the appropriate pathways for your soul to know exactly where to go? So that means whenever any thought that is contrary to the word of God, you know how to immediately figure that thought out. That is not of you, God, and push it back away. But how would you know how to do that? We ought to know how to do that here at Coin Church as a father. Wherever you go, we have to know what the word of God says or else we won't know how to combat him, the enemy, the schemes of the enemy. And so I'm not quite there, but man, I am so much further along than when I was 21 years old. You can ask Kelly. So much more further along, and I got a long ways to go. And so now in our house, we, we combat our thoughts. Hey, Kel, that's not, we're not going to think like that. That's not even the Bible. And I'm like, Sammy, why are you getting so worried and, and stressed? And it's like, that's not the word of the scripture. But that's discipleship. I only know that because I know what Jesus said about it. I know what the Bible says about it. So you have to become and you permeate the character of Christ to where when you sin, you just, you know you sinned. Like, you have to make a conscious decision to sin. Like, I got to, uh, should I sin right now, Holy Spirit? Should I go and watch that thing? Should I sit with my friends and participate in this? The Spirit of God will convict you, I promise you that, when you're with Jesus. I promise. And then you have to make a decision. He won't do it for you. Are you going to indulge in it or are you going to walk away from it? Hey, man, we're just going to go. I know you don't, you know, you don't have to watch the kids tonight. We're going to the bar tonight. You want to come, bro? And you struggle with alcoholism. Well, for some, you could do that, right? For others, it's a conscious decision. Do you see how practical that is? We make it so spiritual. It's like, oh, the devil's tempting me. Yeah, but also don't be dumb. <laughs> Sorry, that, <laughs> see? See that, Yeah. I'm sorry, that, it's not healthy, that's not healthy. So I want to become like Jesus, how about you? So that way, when my daughter's old enough, now, I got a lot of work now, she shows me I got a lot of work. Kelly is one of the most, like, calmest presence I've ever met in my life. I think God appointed Kelly in my life from the foundation of the world, of course he did. And as she walked down that aisle, she is the one God had for me all the days of my life. And man, Kelly totally combats my chaos. She's like a cool, calm, collected breeze, like Hawaii time. <laughs> like, does that ever happen to you? Do you ask yourself the questions? The other day, I think I told you this, that we just got a brand new car. It's like the first car we ever got, and it was so much hard work to do, and I was terrified of the payments. It's like, we got to do it because we have two little kids. And then I'm, I'm, I'm like, you can ask Kelly. I'm like an OCD freak about any little thing in the car because it's brand new. And I, oh, I did this, not Kelly. We're in a rush. It always happens when you're in a rush. And I press the button for the thing to go up, and it scratches our uh, garage. 
And I'm like, just, <laughs> and Kelly's like, Sammy, she's like, Sammy, it's okay, Sam, it's all right. I'm like, no, Kelly, it's not. And if it was Kelly, it would have been a different story. Honestly, that's not, that's me confessing. I would have been really upset. I would have been angry. I would have lost control. How much more when Lenya does things that are out of my control? Where are you at with your discipleship to Jesus? But if you don't know that that is contrary to the character of God, how will you know how to combat it? So God brought Kelly my for a reason, 100%, this non-anxious presence. And I'm so blessed by that. Love you, Kelly. <laughs> so Jesus, <laughs> Jesus believes that you can become like him, by the way. Jesus believes that. He gives you the Holy Spirit and a model to follow. Okay, this is what 2 Corinthians says, verse 3 to 17 and 18. It says this. Now the Lord is the Spirit. We just learned about the presence. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, what? There is there's freedom. So if you're not experiencing freedom, you need to reevaluate the renewing of your mind and recalibrate your life to say, no, I will live in freedom. I will not be hostage to this crisis or this habit or this sin. But you tell yourself, I have work to do in partnership with the Holy Spirit. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being what? Transformed. This, this metamorphosis, we're being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Father, who is what? The Spirit. So we can read and beat ourselves to disciple ourselves, but I'm sorry, no, sorry, in discipline, no discipline is going to change you. Deep insight, like look, AA does this. The, like they say, hey, I just need you to know this. <laughs> this is all important stuff, but if you don't have a higher power, good luck. Like, AA knows that. No discipline is going to change you. None of that is going to save you. It's only the Spirit of the Lord that gives you, your, you freedom, and you partner with him, and you begin to do some work. Does that make sense? So it's not just, hey, you're saved. Good luck with all your addiction. The Spirit of God gives you freedom. See you later. I'm not making a nod or, or trying to bring you down on that, but I'm saying you got some work to do, friend. We have some habits to shift. We have to make sure your mind is renewed in accordance to the scripture. And then we go to work. And then we shift. And then we change. And then we contend. And then we pray. And it's not just prayer of request. God, give me this. Give me this. Give me this. We mature to a prayer of relationship. God, you're so good. You're transforming me. My identity is being created. And then for some of us, we reach this. Not all of us. I'm still getting there. It's a prayer of relinquishment. We talked about this in our prayer time. You pray as a, God, not my will, but yours. This stuff is so hard in my life, God. I don't have any control of that. I'm giving it to you. Whatever you want to do in my life, do it, God. It might hurt. It's not fair. I don't understand, but I've relinquished this to you. I can no longer hold on to this, God. That's where discipleship comes. You guys good? Yeah. It looks like I'm, I'm like a little over, but can we just keep digging into this? Okay. So then Matthew says, come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. This is Jesus speaking. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke, Jesus says, is easy and my burden is light. I want to read this quote from a theologian, Frederick Bruner, says this. A yoke is a work instrument. It's like we don't need more work, Right? But look at what Jesus is doing here. Look at what this theologian says. Thus, when Jesus offers a yoke, he offers what we might 
think tired workers need least. They need a mattress or a vacation, not a yoke. But Jesus realizes that the most restful gift he can give the tired is a new way to carry life, a fresh way to bear responsibilities. Realism sees that life is a succession of burdens. That's realism, like suffering, right? It's hard sometimes. It's difficult. That's realism. We cannot get away from them. Thus, instead of offering escape, Jesus offers equipment. Jesus means that obedience to his Sermon on the Mount, his yoke, will develop us in a balance and a way of caring life that will give more rest than the way we have been living. He invites us into that. That was Jesus' strategy. Paul has a strategy for discipleship as well. He said this to, the, um, to those in, in Corinth. He said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. He's saying, follow me as I follow him. Can you say that to your friends that don't know Jesus or to those that have been following Jesus and it's been rough and it's been hard, it's just been a couple of months. Can you say with confidence, hey man, follow me as I follow Christ. I'm being shaped and changed and renewed. Come with me in my journey. I'm with you, man. Let's do this together. So follow me as I follow Christ, Paul says. And then he says, therefore, I urge you to imitate me. He tells the church that. For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ, which agrees with what I teach everywhere and in every church. So whatever you have learned, Paul says, or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. You see the practice part? It's important. How we live our life is important. So our strategy at Coin Church, biblically, our strategy is discipleship then. That's, and it's radical discipleship. Here at Coin, we are going to make a shift. As a pastor, I'm going to... With boldness, we need to, we must make a shift. We are going to become incredibly intentional to become disciples of Jesus. This means we have to look at our everything and shift it. This shouldn't be, <laughs> this shouldn't be radical at all, by the way, but it's going to be radical because of the way we're living. So we must press into radical discipleship, and it first starts in our minds, okay, our thinking. We need to understand the teaching of the scripture and apply it. So our schedule towards following Jesus, you need to reorient your entire schedule. Your money towards how Jesus said we should use our money. Your work life, your friendships, your talking, and even your resting. All of this in discipleship to Jesus, he gives us a blueprint, a yoke that we must follow him. And by the way, it's an invitation. You don't have to do this. He's inviting you into it. So there's, re there's reformation, which is counterformation. I'm trying to get through this. Um, Dallas Willard said this. He said, spiritual formation in the Christian tradition is a process of increasingly being possessed and permeated by the character traits of Jesus as we walk in the easy yoke of discipleship with Jesus, our teacher. There's a shift that must take place. Why is this so difficult though? Have you asked yourself that? Why in the world is this so hard? Well, because our default setting is formation by the culture. I was talking about that earlier. It's, it's like autopilot, man. It's like getting in the car and going home and not even realizing you're home. You know, so how you wake up in the morning is autopilot. 
um, I was talking to Eric because I'm like frustrated because I'm like, man, dude, you're like, you drink like healthy shakes every morning. He's like, well, do you brush your teeth in the morning? I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, you have to create this habit and do it. It's serious. It's a big deal. And so I'm like, I'm thinking then, he tells me that everything comes with like a scriptural funnel. I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to do that with Jesus now. Everything I do must be shifted and transformed and changed or else I'm not going to be whole and healthy and spiritually mature. Did you know this? China created TikTok, okay? I'm going to hit on the TikTokers for a moment. (laughs) Did you know China created TikTok? Did you know that? You know how they are and how they dictate and they're like tyrannical and they can only have a certain amount of kids and do these things, right? Watch this. As part of China's latest crackdown on media exposure for young internet users, TikTok's Chinese version restricts, TikTok does this in China, restricts users under 14 to just 40 minutes of app activity time per day and only allows usage between 6 a.m. and 10 p.m. on a daily basis. I mean, that's tyrannical, right? But I think we need that. <laughs> but why, why are they doing it? There's bright minds behind it. They know that it changes your mind. It shifts you. The tech big God out there knows exactly what you're thinking. Do you know like you can talk about it and then it comes up on your screen? (laughs) So please, let's not be deceived. We're being discipled in this world and it's forming us into someone and something and we ought to pay attention and be convicted. I'm convicted. I got off IG. I'm done with it. I don't know how long, but I'm done with it right now. <laughs> I got to confess because Kelly knows. I still have Facebook, so I like go through Facebook. And I'm like, I got to get rid of Facebook too. But it's addictive, isn't it? Let's be honest. Come on. We got to be honest. We're in church. It's addictive. And there's minds out there that know how to get you addicted to something. I need the mind of Christ. I need to be an imitator of Christ and be transformed and renewed on the inside out, not just a behavior modification. Mark Sayers says this in a church in Australia. He said, our current Western context deforms our hearts and lives in profoundly destructive ways. Big business, big data, big porn's ability to reshape our inner worlds is unparalleled in human history. Therefore, the next great awakening, the next renewal, the next coming revival must be centered on our hearts being changed by God. It must begin by replacing the pseudo-Christian, the fake Christianity of lifestyle enhancement with the spirit-filled faith of biblical Christianity. It must offer the renewal of Christ's likeness to those being deformed by our culture in the deepest parts of their hearts. I say amen to that. We have a, a, a diagram I want to put up. Really quick, this is unintentional formation. I hope you guys can see it. If you can't, you want it, I'll send it to you. This is, what it, this is the culture we live in right now. Look at it. The culture and the environment, right? The stories we believe, okay? Those are stories you believe that you have been taught through generations and generations. Like, for example, it breaks my heart when I hear someone say this, and I'm sorry I have to say it because it's not biblical. When someone dies, we don't say they're with me everywhere I go. No, that's not what the Bible says. Somewhere we got that story that's not even in the Bible. So when I'm at a funeral and someone's sharing, I go, Lord, our minds, like, where did we get this theology? So you might have theology with God. 
how you think you should act and be and pray and do. And you must know that there are stories that have been told for generations that might not mount up or own up or express what the scripture really says. And then there's relationships that we build, right? They can be really unhealthy. They can be really toxic. That's why we need to have boundaries, right? That's why we need to know what's going on in the people's life. They can be so toxic in your life that you're trying to fight a particular addiction and they keep inviting you into it. There's relationships that, and you choose those relationships, by the way. Loving, ah, man, you're so cool. I want to be your friend. And then you become friends and their worldview shapes you, right? And then there's habits every single day that we do. And it's like a triangle that is infected by a culture and environment and it's unintentional, okay? It's unintentional. Let me give you the good news. This is where we need to be with the next one. This is intentional formation, okay? Teaching the word of God, the Bible, the word that is sharper than any two-edged sword that's gonna pierce through bone and marrow in me and my dislikes and my likes. I don't just read it because I wanna be the champion like David and Goliath. That's immaturity, and I used to read the Bible like that. So any passive scripture that did that, I highlighted it and underlined it. But I didn't realize that I had some wounds that I was not facing, and I was skipping out on all the other parts of the scripture because my mind was fixated on what I could get from God instead of what God is offering me in discipleship to him. So we need to know the teaching of the word of God. And then there's community here, us. If I'm being honest, we can be honest, that's okay. We might not be friends with, with like people on a regular basis here. But when you get into a church, I don't choose my friendship with you. You're a part of the community, you're a family, you're a brother and sister. But in the world, I get to like kind of choose. I don't like that person, I don't like how he dresses. I don't really wanna be his friend, he's not buff enough. But in church, there is a community of God here. And by the way, your teaching, when you get in community, there are, there are people here, elders here, people that understand the scripture that have gone before us that will combat those words. No, 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 that's not what God says about you. No, 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 this is community. This is koinonia. This is how we grow. This is how we develop. And then the last are practices, spiritual disciplines that we must shape in our lives. It's intentional formation, teaching us what the Bible says about who we are and how we were created, about money, about church, about how to live, about identity, about food and alcohol, how to replace all the bad thoughts and all the lies and the spiritual disciplines of the things that Jesus did. And I'll end with this, Dallas Willard again, because suffering is how we grow, by the way. You can ask all of the gray hairs in the room. You wanna know how to grow? Unfortunately, the, the quickest way to grow and to know where you're at with Jesus is when suffering knocks at your door. Not when everything's good and great, not when you're on the mountaintop, but when he leads you in, in the valley and he's trying to make your path straight and there's pain and suffering and brokenness that comes with that, which by the way, that is when he does his greatest work on you. So Dallas World said this and we're done. The greatest issue facing the world today with all its heartbreaking needs is whether those who by profession or culture are identified as Christians will become disciples, students, apprentices, practitioners of Jesus Christ, steadily learning from him how to live the life of the kingdom of the heavens into every corner of human existence. And that's the greatest issue we're facing today. We must become disciples of Jesus, amen? Can I pray for you? you guys good? Let's pray. Will you stand as we finish and worship together?
Jesus, thank you, Father, for your formative word. I pray, God, that we would be transformed, that we would be renewed, that it would be through the Holy Spirit of our community, of our teaching, of our practices, that the Spirit of God would lead and guide us. I pray for every person in this room that's suffering, that's going through the hard knocks of life, that's going through difficulty, that they would raise their heads high and know, Jesus, that you are with them and for them and will never leave them or forsake them. So teach us, Jesus, how to practice, how to change, how to be transformed, how to know your word correctly, and how to be the light of the world around us. In your name we pray. Amen.